Welcome to Birth Mothers Amplified, giving a voice to the women behind adoption. Hosted by Emma and Mathani. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Birth Mothers Amplified. It's Emma here. And Matani. And today we have a phenomenal woman here to tell her story, to give you an idea of what we'll be talking about today. First, we'll be talking about transitioning from a closed to an open adoption. We'll be talking about placing a second child for adoption after parenting her first child. And then advocating for healthy relationships between birth parents and adoptive parents. Yes. So we have Dominique today. Hi, Dominique. Hey. (laughs) And Dominique is a birth mother of four years. She is also raising a seven-year-old son. She is an Enneagram 4. Horseback riding is her favorite. She loves her church community and building deep relationships with the people around her. I am super excited to get to know Dom, for y'all to get to know Dom today. Um, I've known her for a couple of years now, and um, I think she's amazing. And so Dom, go ahead and let us know about you, about your adoption story. My first son that I was pregnant with at 17, I am a single mom to him. And at the time he was three, he's now seven. Placed my son for adoption, my birth son for adoption. Um, in November of 2016. So we're um, coming up on our fourth year on adoption. Was the birth father involved um, with your second son? No. So the birth father was not involved with um, my second son. The birth father was only around for my first child. Went on a spring break trip and found out that I was pregnant with my facing my second unplanned pregnancy. I told the birth father um, or who I thought was the birth father at the time and the guy that I had been dating for years and communication quickly got caught off. I was really abortion minded and so wanted to pursue that avenue when I found out I was pregnant. I was 21, I was scared, I was alone. Um, I had not told my family yet, just felt really insecure like that people were going to judge me and think that I was stupid because I am facing my second unplanned pregnancy. Like, how could I not have learned from the first time around? Especially knowing that the birth father wasn't around for the first one and ended up being in the same situation again. So that was really hard. There was a lot of shame and condemnation that I was walking in um, alone for a little while. My two best friends at the time knew and that was it. So I ended up reaching out to a woman um, that I met a month prior to going on the spring break trip that I met at our a local church in Dallas. I asked her, hey, uh, can God forgive me if I have an abortion? And she, of course, answered that question with yes. And Um, But also that he loves me enough to know that that is not the healthiest or most loving way to get out of this, what I thought I needed to get out of or escape from a situation. I kind of blew her off for a while and she mentioned adoption and I thought she was crazy. I didn't know what adoption was. hadn't walked through it with anybody before, knew anybody, um, never experienced foster care, anything like that. And so my mindset of adoption was foster care, that the government comes in and takes your child and 
that's it. And even then my version of foster care was really skewed and wrong. My only education was lifetime movies. So I always uh, say that I'm like lifetime. That's what people think of. They think yeah. adoption. Yeah. That it's always this like drop your baby off at the firehouse kind of thing, which does happen, but it's just not the everyday story. So we um, ended up getting connected and she started walking me in that and ended up finally sharing with my family. And that was a relieved pressure. But so what, what made you change your mind? Why did you decide to pursue adoption? One could not come up with the money for the abortion, which was crazy because I had a job. I was working at a place where, um, I had regulars and I often came into money for some reason which I still just say it was the Lord, um, just blocking every avenue. Like it just wasn't going to happen for me. My options quickly became adoption or I could, can, I still had time left to have an abortion. And so I really um, contemplated it for a while, but I was like, I don't have, I'm leaving myself zero time if this isn't going to happen. So ended up educating myself a little bit of what I could, like I would, I Googled it. You at this point had already decided not to parent, correct? That wasn't on the table. Yeah. Uh, parenting was not on the table. Um, mm. Again, I'm a single mom and so, and still am, and I'm a realist. Like I'm a very black and white. Um, I have a, a, a lot of emotions and I am an emotional reactor, but I also just think like, what makes sense. And I'm also really self-aware and I never wanted to be a parent. Parenting my first child alone was extremely exhausting and really hard. And it takes a village. I mean, a village, like genuinely a village to raise a child yes. and to raise a child. Well, it takes a village and not to say that women who don't have a village aren't going to be raised. Well, you just need support like for your mental, physical, emotional health, like spiritual health, all those things. And then for your child. So you decided, okay, here are my, you know, three options. Can't do parenting, wanted to pursue an abortion. Roadblocks just kept getting in the way. You had been presented with adoption, got a little bit more educated via Google. Love that. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> and then you reached back out to this individual who first presented adoption. Yeah. Um, okay. I blew her off for a while and I said, hey, I really want to get serious I don't think that I'm going to have an abortion. In hindsight, when I look back, she wasn't leaving me regardless of what decision I chose. Mm. But I was so fearful that I was going to let her down because she was quote unquote Christian. I heard her say that God could forgive me for having an abortion, but I didn't understand that. And I had never been fully forgiven before, or at least I, that I was aware of. And so didn't know that that was real. Um, enough to understand that I wouldn't let her down. She was always available and present regardless of what I chose, but I would always pull away as I leaned more into abortion as my choice. So mm. then you, yeah, reached out to her, started to begin more of that education aspect of adoption. So <laughs> did you find an agency? Did you find a couple that was interested in adoption? Yeah. So she connected me from the beginning and said, Hey, there is a woman who has had an abortion before and would be willing to adopt your baby if you didn't decide to parent. And that's how she presented adoption to me, which scared me mm. off for a little while, came back, was like, okay, I want to meet this family. 
and then blew them all three off for a while and then got serious. However, that family um, had been walking through another situation where they were no longer available at the time that I really made this decision to place my child for adoption. So did find an agency that I just Googled online, contacted them. It was real quick, got profiles sent to me like overnight and looked through like 30 or 40 profile like pamphlet books. That was overwhelming. I found a couple. One I was telling y'all earlier, I would never forget this one couple um, that I really wanted. And they ended up getting chosen hours before I called the agency the wow. next day I found them. And so, oh, wow. Like, but this other family that I had been blowing off for a while, they became available to then adopt. So we ended up meeting up and we matched outside of an agency. They wanted to use an agency separate from where I was already connected. And so we ended up getting connected with the agency that they wanted to use, which was easy for me. Uh, it's easy peasy for expected moms to reach out to an agency and get tossed into the mix there. So once you joined that agency, you had a couple at this point, which by the way, you mentioned they were no, they were no longer available and then available. Was that because a birth parent changed their mind or was it because they were interested, uninterested? They actually were connected with a, another woman who was facing an unplanned pregnancy and they're super involved um, in our church. And they just have a heart to walk through unplanned pregnancies with women. And so actually we're never at an agency, but if ever yeah. presented to adopt a child, we're always willing and open um, as they just navigated helping women and choosing life. And so, mm. but always their first priority was, hey, if we can help you parent, what are the things you need to parent? And if you want to do that, let's help you do that first. Mm. And make sure we're maxed out on an absolute no before we adopt a child because they totally wow. believe in family preservation. So. so when you, you know, decided to place, we're going through this other agency, take us to the hospital and yeah. what that experience was like. Cause this, you know, is your second son. And so you had an idea of what one yeah. pregnancy labor delivery, but to put it within the adoption context, what was that? I mean, was that just so bizarre? It was. My water broke in the middle of the night and I was supposed to get induced that morning at like 8 a.m. But my like, water broke. Like Bethany. I, wait, is that what happened? Really, I was supposed to get induced on a Monday and I went into labor that Saturday. So not quite the okay. same, but yeah, similar. Yes. Yeah. I was yeah. getting induced on a Monday, I'm pretty sure. And I went into labor that Saturday, that Sunday night at like 2 a.m. Mm -hmm. My water didn't break with my first pregnancy. So I was like, what is happening to me? <laughs> I didn't know. I was like, just, it was weird. So yeah. um, I feel like I was in a movie. You see that happen yeah. in movies, but like I, that didn't happen to me the first pregnancies. Anyway, so my water broke. I go into labor. My now, my birth son's um, family was mm -hmm. overseas. They were coming back. They had a flight to get back in time for me to get induced the next morning to be there for delivery because I wanted wow. his adoptive mother to be in the room oh, wow. with me. That derailed our plans. Um, and again, I just like take that as like a blessing in hindsight. In that moment, I was full of anxiety and just like so stressed and felt alone because they were my people. Like I didn't mm. know them very well. We didn't, we haven't spent a bunch of time together, but I just 
loved them. Like I, I yearned so badly to just be fully known by them and fully accepted by them mm. and just be fully embraced by them. And, and I felt their desire to want to do that and, and be there for me. But I'm a kind of person who like pushes relationships way faster than they like should <laughs> in a healthy way go. <laughs> <laughs> I just met Emma on Zoom and I'm like, we, we're going to be best friends. This is going to be great. I'm going to call you tomorrow. I love um, it. I love it. <laughs> it was a really hard moment um, and a hard night, but the plan that I originally made, my hospital plan that I had in place, um, none of that happened. I wanted nobody at the hospital with me and everybody came to the hospital with me. Both of my best friends, wow. both of my sisters, a couple of other friends had come and gone like after that and so in the midst of all of this they don't end up making it to the birth and in my hospital plan they were fully aware that I did not want the baby to be passed me the baby was supposed to be passed his adoptive mother and oh wow they just handed me the baby and I was like <gasps> what I was like I had detached my whole pregnancy from this child I just oh. wanted to not be pregnant and in that moment I was like Oh my gosh. And I, mind you, wanted a fully closed adoption after this. So I'm thinking, you're going to be there. They're going to hand you the baby. I've been through this before. I'm going to go be rolled to my room. And then I'm never going to see you guys again. They're going to stay in a different hospital room and they're going to stay there the whole time that he needs to be there. Um, And they just handed me the baby. And of course, I just like fell in love with him. I was like, at first shocked, like why? And Matt, why did you just hand me this baby? I don't know what to do. Mm. I, I felt like I wasn't his mom because in my brain, yeah, I made her his mom. I said it last, I said it last episode and I'm going to say it again. We talk about how agencies can improve and how, you know, all these different part, adoptive parents, birth parents, but I will say the medical field really needs totally. curriculum and totally. explanation. Because yes. even, yeah, that's yes. crazy that I get you know, in context where maybe a doctor or nurse isn't given a hospital plan, how are they to know? But if like you're get, like someone needs to be making sure that everyone's reading yes. it. Yes. I mean, right. obviously it all works out the way it needs. I mean, I'm a it big believer does. in that. However, that makes me sad that you were it like, did. you know, you wanted the adoptive parent to be the first to hold your son mm-hmm. and that didn't happen. Yeah. yeah. And I wanted it so badly because I wanted to please them. And I mm. not only wanted to please mm. them, but I, I can't explain the feeling. And maybe you guys can put words to this. I was so sad for them that they were struggling mm. with infertility. And my whole hospital stay, I really thought about them a lot. Like I really considered and wanted them. I had already experienced a hospital stay and I was like, this could be her only chance to ever experience being at the hospital. Yeah. And so I really wanted her to like, Hey, you may not be laying here and pushing this baby out, but the baby's going to be handed to you. You're going to, the baby's going to spend the night in your room. You get to talk to the nurses, all of the fingerprinting, foot footprinting, like all of that all happened in their room. All of the things I wanted them to fully experience, you know, in in the- That's biological. Yeah. Yeah. So it really derailed that. I feel like that could be taken two ways. And I think it's important to acknowledge both. I'd be curious what Mm -hmm. Mathani thinks about this. One, I could see some people being like, that is part of the result of people 
making birth parents feel like they owe adoptive parents or that they're obligated to do things, you know, that the birth parent is just a vessel to provide a child. I could see some people perceiving it as that, but I want to acknowledge the other side that I actually think is really beautiful and important for birth parents to also acknowledge. Adoption, as sad as it sounds, a lot of it is allowed to happen because of loss, not just from the birth parent, but adoptive parents. And I understand not all adoptive parents struggle with fertility. Sometimes parents just want to adopt. And I think that's beautiful too. But there is usually this loss that like you I think that is so admirable that you saw that and you wanted to give that to them. I I think that is, I mean, I I think that's pretty remarkable. And people, I mean, people watch our, because, so we also had a film crew in a nonprofit organization film whoa whoa here. whoa <laughs> what <laughs> wait did i not tell you this part emma i'm sorry no. our entire hospital stay is filmed um in a really beautiful documentary and typically this nonprofit always has filmed the experience of prospective adoptive families go uh, going overseas to adopt children and what that process is like and all of the emotions that come with it. The prospective adoptive family had reached out to these nonprofit and they ended up overnight coming and driving from like Austin and I'm in Dallas to come film our adoption. And it was supposed to be about the prospective adoptive family in a domestic for the first time ever filming a domestic adoption. But then they randomly asked to meet with me and it became this whole story about how what the expected mother is going through and how it was like going back and forth between both of our sides throughout the hospital stay, which was really sweet. But in that, a lot of people in the comments of that video had just said like, she's catering to you guys. And, and I want to like clear that up. Let me be clear. There was for sure this feeling of obligation that I should place my son for adoption with this family. I don't think that you can get to know a family and not somewhat if you like them. First of yes. all, I fell in love with them instantly. The moment I met them, I was yes. like, like, you're it. And maybe yes. that's not everybody's experience, but for me it was. And I yes. loved every ounce of them instantly. I just was like, you are everything I want to be. Like mm. if I could be in a better place in my life, like I would choose to be in your shoes. Be where you are in your faith with the Lord. Be where you are in jobs. They just felt picture perfect to me. We do this in our everyday lives and relationships of just, you kind of feel obligated if your sister calls you and is stuck on the side of the road. Do you kind of feel obligated to go help? Just a tad. But also part of you desires, just a little bit. But part of you also desires to just lend a helping hand because we love people. We have a heart for people. And so- I think as an Enneagram four, I am really emotionally self-aware, but I'm also very aware of the needs of others. That was a desire of mine. It wasn't out of obligation. Nobody ever coerced me or made me feel like I had to place my child with them, but not only out of obligation because I knew and loved them and wanted this to be their story, but also because I needed it to be my son's story because taking him home wasn't going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. That's just because of where I was at in my life. And I was self-aware enough to say in this moment, emotionally, I want to just take this baby home and be like, cut the film (laughs) or film it if you want, but I'm not, (laughs) but I think I just had to like black and white. Do you have money? 
Do you want to raise this child in poverty? Because you will. Do you want to finish school? Because you probably won't, Mm -hmm. at least not anytime soon. Where are you going to work? Where are you going to live? How are you Mm going to afford daycare for two kids? Mm -hmm. All of these things are going through my mind. And I'm just like, hey, like if I even have to question that for my child, I want more for my child than what I was given. Because I didn't ask to be born, yet I was the poor kid at school. And so amongst Mm -hmm. all of my friends. And that's not fun. And so I wanted him to just in a bad way, but also a good way, like materialistically get everything I never got Mm, and not have to worry about if your lights are going to get cut off or sleeping in the car because it's a hundred degrees in Texas and the AC's out calling friends to, you know, spend the night at their house because you don't have food or being not picked up from practice and your coach has to take you home. You know, it's Mm. like, that was what the reality that we were facing. So the adoptive parents weren't able to make it, but you talk about them being a part of this film that ends up happening. So when did they, when were they able to show up? So they ended up getting there later that night. They were overseas, which I want to clarify. The adoptive family did ask me. They were serving on mission trip. They were leading the mission trip, Mm. like of like 20 or more young adults to go overseas. And they did ask if they wanted them to stay back. And I was like, absolutely not. This is your last Mm. mission trip you will ever take without having to try to find a babysitter. Please go. Yeah. So they ended up coming back and they were there. Like, I think they arrived that night. Yeah. It was like that night for sure. Like later on in that night, because I think I gave birth that in the day, like I went into labor at 2am. So it was like maybe like noon or one or something that I gave birth. So they ended up getting there Mm. that night and we, um, and they met him and you see the handoff um, in our adoption film. So it was a very raw moment, but the hospital stay was filled with back and forth. I'm going to place I'm not. I'm going to place I'm not. I'm scared. Mm. I'm sad. I want everybody to leave. I want everybody to come. I want the baby in the room. I don't. I want him to go be with his parents. No, I want to be there. No, I don't. It was like, here's your plan, rip it into shreds. And I just looked down at him and I just cried. And I just was like, this like isn't fair to you. Either way, he loses. If I, if this were me, like how would I, who would I want to make this decision for me? What would I want them to choose? And I ended up calling my nurse and I said, hey, I'm leaving. And she was like, no, you can't. That's child abandonment. And I was like, I'm leaving. His parents are down the hall. And he's going down the hall with his parents. And she was like, you haven't signed your rights over this is child abandonment. And I said, get my caseworker on the phone. (laughs) I called her in the middle of the night. It was probably like 1 a.m. Did no one read the hospital plan? Like, did no one know you were placing this, like, your son for adoption? No, Child abandonment? I tried all the abandonment. No, she did. But she's like, no, like, you cannot do this. And I'm like, I called the caseworker. It's like one in the morning. I'm like, listen, listen, Linda, I'm leaving. Her name's not Linda. But um, (laughs) I want to tell you, caseworker, that I'm sorry. That was crazy. And I told her, if I do not leave, I'm not placing this child for adoption. I'm going to take him home. And I like had a panic attack. I'll be back in the morning to sign my rights. How many hours was this? Because was it not at the hour 
minimum requirement, like you could sign away your rights? No. Is that why? No. Okay. Yeah. And so in Texas, it's 48 hours and it was like 1 a.m. and I couldn't sign until like 10 or 11 o'clock the next day or something. Okay. I called his um, now adoptive mother out and down the hall. I woke them. I had a nurse wake them up and I said, I'm leaving. And she was like, what? And I just like held onto her hands and I just said, I'm coming back. I promise. And this mm. baby is going home with you. But mm. if I stay, he won't. And I have to go. And oh, she was wow. like, I trust you. She loved me just as much as she loved that baby. I left and I came back the next day and I signed my rights over. And all of that was filmed. If you want to look up 48 hour adoption. And so yeah. from that point, I mean, it sounds like this is like set up for open adoption. Is that what y'all did or, or what? No. I mean, what did y'all decide? No, we, this was closed. We were leaving mm. the hospital in a fully closed adoption. Loved each other to death, but I never even gave them the opportunity to tell me what they desired in an adoption. So I wow. said, the first time I sat down with them, they said, what are you wanting from this experience? Or like, what do you, what, what does it look like for you to place your child for adoption? I said, I don't want it. I don't want any communication after this. And wow. if he turns 18, he can reach out to me. Um, but I don't want any, any zero communication. I don't want pictures or anything. Wow. And they wanted a really open adoption, but they, I never knew that until we already were in an open adoption later on. I admire that they, even with their wishes, which I'm not saying this is good or bad, but I, I think it's really interesting and cool that they decided to not put that on you and just respected your wishes. I, I do think adoptive right. parents, their wishes are right. important as well, but it, Absolutely. it just says a lot and it, it goes against, I think the, you know, the norm. And I just, yeah. I think that's really interesting. Wow. They made a lot of sacrifices and and still have to this day have sacrificed. I've put them through the ringer and they have never- Wait, let's talk them. about that for a second. Because <laughs> obviously we already kind of touched on that you go from an open or closed to an open. Yeah. How long was it a closed adoption and what was that season like? Um, a month. So I placed the end of November and found out over New Year's Eve, beginning of January, that he was hospitalized. A friend- um, found an Instagram account where he was bandaged up around his hands and like on his chin and uh, screenshot of me those pictures. It ended up just being a super like normal procedure. He like got staff, like opened up his skin and like got staff underneath and they just had to drain it or whatever. And I contacted the agency. I wanted to get um, him back. I felt betrayed and I cried for the first couple of days and then went back to work. And my life like had to go on because I- In the very beginning, job. like right after the yeah. birth. Okay. Yeah. Right after the birth, left the hospital, cried, longed for him in a way I can never, ever explain. Well, then the first thing you see and hear is him in the yeah. hospital. I'm mad. I'm angry. I felt entitled to know that information, even though I chose closed adoption. Mm. I mean, it was a lot. And I mean, it opened the floodgates to this one year emotional roller coaster of anger and frustration and bitterness towards my agency and the adoptive family. And I went from loving them so much to 
telling them that I hated them. They were just like, hey, we're willing to have open. And I think the agency really struggled with me having their phone number and not being able to monitor my communication mm. to them with me and the adoptive family. And so it was really hard year for us, very yeah. hard. But no matter what I did, no matter what I said, his family was never leaving. You know, what you went through that first year of wanting to get your son back and hating the adoptive parents and all those things, that for a lot of adoptive parents is their worst fear. Where do you think that rooted for, like, did you want your son back or did you, you know, what, what got you to that point? I had a very unhealthy way of communicating. And so there is a difference between feelings and emotions out of like a desire to know him and be connected to the child that I just gave birth to, which is natural and normal. And that weight being unbearable, my emotional response is to fight for him back. It is a huge fear for adoptive families. And I understand why, but it's not crazy for us to fight for our children. Also with the asterisk that we don't get pre-education and have to sit through hours and hours of education. Nobody tells us what to expect besides handing us a grief packet of like, these are the 12 steps of grief or seven steps, however Mm. many they are. I've always said I, by the grace of God, or I was very blessed to never regret, but I always ask what ifs. You almost fantasize what life could have been or things like that. But yeah, I I personally never regretted or yeah, yeah, fought for my daughter, but I could understand where that roots from and how it can turn into that. And some of your story is just, I bet a lot of that comes from your background and what you had the privilege of that was made available to you in regards to your family relationships or your relationship with your caseworker, we kind of talked about that earlier, just like not having all of these other needs that you probably did get a little bit more emotional education because your caseworker had time to do that instead of having to focus on meeting your rent or making sure you have food or car ride here. It's all about like background too, of like, yes, you probably had a higher emotional intelligence than I did at the time and being able to emotionally react well it wasn't that you didn't because you weren't capable of it. It was just because you had more support. Yes. Mm-hmm. How far along were you when you decided to, I to was choose like adoption? Far. It was so like that's, five months. So that's the other factor that I think is this question that may never be able to be answered. How yeah. do agencies compensate for the lost time? You know, however you want to phrase okay. that. Where there's some birth moms that come in way later or even after they've had their child. You know, how do you prep birth moms in that way? So, you know, now we know what that first year looked like. How in the world did we go from that to where y'all are now? When did you realize either I'm going to stop fighting, not because you loved your son any less, but when did you realize how to have a healthy conversation? What was the switch and turning point? The switch was that they weren't giving up on me. Um, So I had never had anybody pursue me relationally with the asterisk that no matter what I did, they weren't leaving mm-hmm. and um, not ever experiencing unconditional love before. My mom has always been, well, I'm not talking to you anymore. Um, and we'll go months mm-hmm. without talking to me in an argument. And so never had experienced unconditional love and forgiveness. They taught me that I was valuable 
and showed me that I was valuable, that I was worthy of being unconditionally loved, that I was fully forgiven um, by not only them, but by Christ. And as I learned those things and, and got up my self-worth, I think I really was able to articulate and communicate in a way that didn't feel like I had to push them away. We set boundaries and they were very, very clear on boundaries. Um, so they said, yeah. one of the boundaries was that I wasn't allowed to text um, his adoptive mother anymore or call her. I wasn't allowed to communicate with her. All communication would go through his adoptive father um, because it would derail her entire day. Yeah. And so that was hurtful, but it was presented in a way of like, hey, we are not leaving. We want to do this well. Right. They're with us, like trust us. Right after a while, like just learned that we both have roles and responsibilities in his life and neither one trumps the other, but they definitely look different. And so once mm -hmm. I felt like strong footing and like, you can't be me and I can't be you and you can't do my roles and responsibilities. And I, yeah. can't yours, I felt comfortable. Yep. Like, I felt safe. Yeah. Like it just took a while, but a whole year for sure. And I just had right. to acknowledge that I had a part to own in this conflict. They were honest and it's okay to be, yeah. you can be fully honest, do it, not it not be hurtful. And I had to acknowledge that even though I wasn't trying to be manipulative, that I, that that was a coping mechanism that I had learned was manipulation. Mm. And so I admitted, and it was that simple and problems can be yeah. solved, but you have to be willing yeah. to solve them. You know, you mentioned, um, before this episode that you have done panels and I mean, y'all obviously did the documentary, but you've done other things with your son's adoptive mother. And so you've really come a long way in four years. You were so eloquent with how you say things and you can tell that you really have grown and you've learned and you've applied it. And I really think that's, that's very, very admirable. And so You've kind mm -hmm. of already talked about it, but if there was anything else you wanted to add of how do we navigate our journey as a birth mother in a healthy way? I would say work on self-awareness and just be willing to admit to yourself when you're wrong. The adoption community can make you subconsciously put yourself in your mind on this pedestal that you are owed something, that you are selfless, mm -hmm. that you are amazing, that you're phenomenal, that you deserve the world. You're always right. And we just need to sit back and listen. And that's not true. In any mm. relationship, is that true? In a marriage, in a dating relationship, mother, child, draw a circle around yourself and own everything in it and admit it and say it. Always ask for forgiveness. When you have when your immediate response, your immediate knee jerk is to want to respond in defensiveness, do the opposite. Just practice by owning anything and you will naturally grow into the space where you're like, whoa, I have so much to own. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I own what I intentionally do. And sometimes I unintentionally make mistakes, but nonetheless, they're still mistakes. And so I have to own them. Be the person yeah. that you want them to be in your adopt open adoption relationship. Yeah. What advice would you give to someone who's considering placing another child for adoption, who is already parenting a child? Okay. If you are considering yeah. adoption and you are already parenting or you're not, I would say, ask yourself if you can really, if you can provide and make your child a priority. Mm. And this is why people say being a birth mother is selfless because 
it is selfish to parent a child and then neglect them. So you have to be willing to acknowledge where you need help. And so even if it's not placement, that's okay. But what are you actively going to do to make decisions to get the help where you're needed? If you have a drug addiction, what are you going to act? It's okay. You can parent. What are you actively going to do to no longer have a drug addiction? Be honest with yourself. If you're not willing to give it up, that's where you could become selfless. And I think the one thing that I would say, if I could say anything, which is where mm. my heart really lands, is that it's not yeah. whether or not we should have um, open adoption. We should. It's whether or not it can be done well. And it can. That stems from communication, healthy communication. Mm. We can all do it. We can all learn from it. None of us are innocent in this in these relationships and in our triads, we all have stuff to own and we've got to own it. Take the log out of your own eye before you try to take the speck out of someone else's. Mm. Well said. Mm. Way to finish. Love that. Dominique, thank you oh so much for coming on and sharing your story and giving us all of it. The good, the bad, the ugly, everything. I think it's so important to hear. And we are, yeah, so honored to be able to help provide a platform to share that. Um, So thank you so much. Yeah, y'all are awesome. Thank y'all so much for having me. All right. Thank you, everyone. See y'all next week. Thank you. Birth Mothers Amplified is brought to you by the Gladney Center for Adoption and Adoption.com. Make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and check us out on Facebook and Instagram at Birth Mothers Amplified. The views expressed may not represent the views of this program or sponsors and should not substitute seeking the advice of licensed professionals. To speak with an adoption counselor, please call 1-800-236-7898. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.